welcome to the Talk Story to Me podcast, where editors Amber and Callista show you how to develop an idea from initial conception to final product. In this season, we'll be working with Amber's new idea for her novel, Legend of the Gemini Twins. So what I want to go through with you today, and what I really want to talk about is figuring out your ideal reader. And this is something that you should go through in the process because it's helping you further narrow down audience expectation. If you remember, we did go over that with genre, right? Kind of figuring out the more broader aspects of conventions and obligatory moments and all that. But now we're going to kind of take that and we're going to kind of start narrowing it down to like who within that genre are you talking to? And so that's kind of what I want to jump into today. The more, when I ask you these questions, the more specific you can be, the better it's going to turn out. And some people like to imagine an individual person or a single person. So I would suggest trying to go towards that route. So with that said, the first thing is always, how old is your ideal reader? Well, I know I've heard a discussion said before that usually you want your protagonist to be a little bit older Mm -hmm. than your ideal reader. So I tend to think of my ideal reader as my son, Jackson. Mm -hmm. And I think in the book, I'm going to make them a little bit older, maybe, maybe 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. I'm leaning towards. So I'm thinking that my ideal reader will be his age, which is 10. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. I haven't heard that, that idea that your protagonist should be a little bit older than your intended audience, but I think that would make sense, right? Yeah, I think kids like to read about kids that are a little bit older than them because they tend to look up to kids that are a little bit older than they are. Yeah, and I'm thinking about that too back when I was reading mostly like middle grade and IA fiction. I guess the, the most of the majority of the the characters were a couple years older than me. Like I was 14 or 15 reading about like 17 and 18 year olds, you know? Right. But they, it was still close enough in age where I could still like identify with the issues that were going on. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Yeah. 10 years old. So then where does he live in the world? Probably the same place you're living. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking the Midwest. Yeah. Then what kind of person is he? I'm thinking very kind, very gentle, very compassionate. My son Jackson is actually, he's more gregarious Mm -hmm. kind of than what I picture an ideal reader. He tends to be very outgoing with adults. He doesn't always connect with kids his own age as well, but he's really into theater games and playing sports and he worries about school and things like that. Yeah. And so, so that's good to know. So then what keeps him up at night? Jackson definitely has a lot of fears. And I research a little bit about what kids this age group tend to be afraid of. And mm-hmm. they start to having more adult fears, a fear of dying. Mm-hmm. Which every time Jackson gets sick, he asks me if he's going to die. Got you. So that's definitely in the forefront of his mind these days. And I think he he worries about school. I know he forgot to do his homework 
And he mm-hmm. realized it on the way to school yesterday and he cried all the way to school and it was awful. God, you. He was so worried about making the A's and that knocking him out of the grade that he wanted. And he was just incredibly upset. And I'm like, I don't even put that much pressure on him about grades. He puts pressure on himself about it. Gosh, you. So it's fear of death, but also mixed with a lot of perfectionism, it kind of sounds. Trying to fit that tight rope of getting the perfect grades, living the perfect life, or trying to have the perfect life without getting in any like sort of trouble or danger or anything like that. Yeah, he and Ellie both put a lot of pressure on themselves in that respect. Interesting. Um, Where do you think that comes from? I don't know. Well, Well, dad is an only child, so he's got that perfectionist firstborn thing. Got you. I was raised as a firstborn, so I've got the perfectionist firstborn thing. Grandma lives with us and there's about a seven year age gap between her and her brother. So she's almost like a firstborn. Right. Like a functional firstborn. So I think we all have all of the adults in this house have the perfectionism problem. Got you. So they probably just picked it up just from action and observation unless you telling them, you know, you need to be perfect. Yeah. And then. I know I was way too hard on myself growing up because of that. So I've tried to tell them not to do the same thing. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Ellie, especially with her actually being the oldest, you know. Right. Which they say it's because you bring the firstborn home from the hospital and they observe adults doing everything. Mm -hmm. And from a child's perspective, it looks like they're doing everything perfectly. And they say that's where that perfectionism instinct comes from. Whereas the later ones watch children do everything. Mm-hmm. They watch their older siblings do stuff and screw up. So they they don't have that same ingrained pressure. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, so it pays to not be the oldest then. <laughs> it does. I so wish I was uh, like a, a nice middle child with all those good middle child people skills and Right. Like Evie is so laid back and so sure of who she is. And, and she doesn't stress about any of that stuff. So I'm she's jealous. got the best of both worlds. So well-adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good to know. So would you say then just kind of to dig into that a little bit more then? So your book is is more directed towards Jackson and more Jackson struggle than it is Evie struggle, right? I think for the sake of the first book, I guess I could be wrong, but in my mind, I picture boys that age reading more of the action adventure. Yeah. I think the girls at that age read more like the dork diaries and and stuff like that. I don't think Ellie yeah. actually started get into the Percy Jackson until she got a little bit older. Yeah. Plus, I'm going to have to really focus on being sure that my writing is at that age level and that reading level. Mm-hmm. For middle grade, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're not like writing above them or like yeah. you don't want to be writing below them either and be like condescending. So what does your ideal reader want more than anything in the world? I would say that they want acceptance at school. 
Mm-hmm. They worry about their grades. They want to do well. Basically fitting in with their peer group. Safety. Mm-hmm. I think that's the age where they start worrying about something happening to their parents or themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I totally see that. So kind of right now you're thinking kind of like normal kid worries at this point in time. Um, you know, as you said, getting the good grades and all that. If you can narrow that down to like one thing, like what's the one thing that he, if if you're basing it off of Jackson, wants more than anything in the world? Because right now you just kind of have more like a generalized thing, which is good to start out with. But if you could narrow maybe that down, it's like one or two things. I really want to narrow it down to the concept of safety. Mm-hmm. I'm really wanting to demonstrate that no matter how much planning you try to put into life or avoidance to try and stay safe, that there's really nothing you can do. Uh, You have to gain that confidence in your own ability to handle situations mm -hmm. in order to bring you that sense of security that I think he's looking for. And he's trying to get that by avoiding life instead of living life and taking it as it comes. Right. And that totally makes sense. And that totally fits into what we've been talking about in the other episodes, because we talked a lot about safety in the other one as well and why it, it does fit into the action genre really well. And so then how do you feel like, what do you feel like your book can do then to help Jackson learn this lesson or to help your ideal reader learn this lesson? I think because I'm going to take my protagonist through the process of learning that same lesson mm-hmm. for himself, because mm-hmm. he's he's basically a, avoiding life for the sake of safety. And I am going to drop him into the most dangerous series of experiences that I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And basically his life and his safety is going to be so beyond his control Mm-hmm. But he's going to ha- come out of it with a much greater sense of security because he handled those experiences and he now knows that he can handle what life throws at him. And right. that his sense of security will come from a deeper inner place mm-hmm. instead of trying to control his environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So so then it would be accurate to say then that what you want your book to do is to show him the process that he kind of has to go through subconsciously or mentally to gain confidence in himself in the sense of gaining confidence in his ability to survive in the world. And so, so you're kind of showing him how to gain that sense of security. Yes. Would that be accurate? Yes, that is exactly right. Awesome. So those last couple of questions that we went through, what keeps him up at night and what does he want more than anything in the world and followed by that by what your book can do to help him are probably the three most important questions to go through in that process of figuring out your ideal reader. Because once you know who you're talking to and why they're hurting and you now you know how you can help them where they hurt, you're much more likely to... Well, one, it's going to focus your story even more than just the genre does because you know who you're talking to and how you're trying to help them figure out their hurt. You're more likely to get them to listen 
when you understand what hurt you're addressing. You know what I mean? Like the main one. So now that we kind of have those elements fleshed out, I would like to move on to an exercise, which is all about the kinds of books that your ideal reader loves. And I'll get into a little bit later about why we want to do that and why that's important. So off the top of your head, what are three to five other books that is like the book you're trying to write that Jackson has read and loved? I have done some research in this area because I figured if I wanted to write in this particular genre, I needed to read in that genre. Love that you thought that because I agree 100%. (laughs) So the ones that I chose that I really liked Mm -hmm. were, I love the Percy Jackson series. Classic series. Yes. I love Brandon Mole. Mm-hmm. The Five Kingdom series and the Beyonder series mm-hmm. are both definitely in that action adventure genre. Mm-hmm. The Last Musketeer by Stuart Gibbs. I've only read the last one. Is that a a, a modern day story or is that a classic? This isn't I'm thinking of the Three Musketeers. Never mind. <laughs> oh well, he actually is kind of based on the Three Musketeers. Got but you. He goes back in time. Yeah. And becomes one of the musketeers and fights mm-hmm. with the musketeers. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that was very comparable to what I was wanting to do because it has that going back to a different time period element. Mm-hmm. And then there was one other one. Well, the nice thing about, about this too, for me, from an editor's perspective, is looking at it and seeing the books that you also think are comparable to yours. So if I haven't read them and I'm not familiar with them, Mm -hmm. it does also give me an avenue of reading the books that you feel like are similar to yours. So now I'm even more like knowledgeable on what you're trying to do or do differently. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, and to me as an editor too, not just for the writer. And the seven wonders series. That's what it was by Peter Larangus. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm probably butchering his last name. Maybe. I I also have no idea how to pronounce it. But yeah, all of these look like they're good series. So the only one I've also read out of these is the Percy Jackson series, which is a great series. But I'm familiar with the names of the other ones. Like the last, the Five Kingdoms and the Beyonders. I feel like I've seen those in stores. I just haven't picked them up. Yeah, they're really good. In the Five Kingdoms series, this kid goes to a haunted house and ends mm-hmm. up kidnapped. Mm-hmm. and taken to this other world and he finds out that he has magical abilities in this other place mm-hmm. and he gets sent to this place where there are these floating sky castles that they have to raid and they have jumping swords and it's really dangerous and mm-hmm. it really is a page turner it keeps you on the edge of your seat yeah he's very good at that and I think he and Rick Reardon often do like quotes for each other. Got like you. the first one in this series has a quote from Rick Reardon on the front promoting Got it you. and vice versa. So, and I know they both wrote installments on the 39 Clues series, a bunch of authors together so they could put out a series really quickly. Mm-hmm. So they're both within that same area. Got you. Yeah. Now that you lifted up the Seven Wonders book, I do recognize it. Because at first I was like, I'm not familiar with that series. But then I saw the the title of it and the way that it's 
like design and I was like, oh, I have seen that book in stores. So that's good. I like that that list of books that you set out, especially because they all do relate to each other. You know what I mean? With within mm-hmm. being within the same genre and dealing with similar elements or themes and all that. So out of those, out of those five that you just listed, which would be his favorite? Do you feel like? I would probably choose the Percy Jackson series. Yeah. Why that one? Well, for one, I'd be in trouble with my daughter, Ellie, if I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's her absolute favorite. She's like, this is the best book series ever written. The end. I also feel like Rick Reardon did a really good job of making Percy Jackson a little bit more flawed. Mm -hmm. He's dyslexic. He goes from boarding school to boarding school. It's like he's constantly getting kicked out for one reason or another and moving all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like he starts out with more of a personal struggle yeah. than some of the kids in the other series. I guess Disney really hit on the fact that that's important because they killed the parents and like every Disney movie ever made. Right. <laughs> And so, so you feel like the part that is connected with them the most in Percy Jackson is the flawed hero or hero and seeing someone who is maybe more at their level with dealing with dyslexia and dealing with all of that becoming heroic. Do you feel like that's the part that's really connected to? Yeah, because I feel like he's starting out with less of a skill set too. He's... Mm-hmm. He's got more struggles to overcome. Right. I think that's part of what makes it fun and gets you really invested in a character in the beginning. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think it's also more cathartic, especially at the end and exciting at the end to watch somebody who was maybe more lower on the totem pole, like rise up and become like a brave, heroic person and overcome their emotional and mental barriers to like level up in life. Yes, that's a very good way to put it. So I kind of want to take you through a mental exercise right now. So let's pretend that all of these books that you mentioned, so like Percy Jackson, Seven Wonders, Five Kingdoms, the other one, are all kind of like sitting on a bookshelf together and they're all having a discussion, right? And so, you know, one is saying one thing and like another is saying, yeah, but blah, 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 blah. Or another one is saying, no, but blah, blah, blah. Uh, And they are agreeing, arguing, debating, joining together in a chorus. Where in all of that noise does your book fit in? That was a difficult question. I looked at that a little bit earlier and I was like, hmm, how do I handle this? I would feel like this book would definitely be saying, hey, but I put my kid through absolute (laughs) torture (laughs) Mm -hmm. before the end. The level of personal growth that he has to go through is a lot got you more so than than the other books you feel like probably in one book by itself since some of the others were in a series they probably did have a lot of growth for those characters over the course of the series Mm -hmm. but as far as the first book I feel like there's going to be a deeper level of growth for the particular book of course that could be a rookie mistake too because I might not be leaving enough room for development in like future books. He's going to have to have different lessons to learn. 
mm-hmm. other books if I try and like deal with this entire issue in the first book. Right. So with that and with that question, I would also like you to kind of think about it in terms of also, I like the fact that you, you've you established that this book, the main character, the main, the Jackson character is going to go through a lot more in a shorter period of time than in the other books. So you, so you have kind of like that piece. And I would also like you to think about it in maybe a little bit more of a, an abstract way as well on top of that in the sense of one of these things that all of these books have in common is that they're all action adventure stories, right? And so they're different kinds of action adventure stories. Percy Jackson, as you said, it's more of a kid who has kind of a lot going against him in the beginning, like being dyslexic and being all of that. And his action adventure story is a lot more of, he does have a lot going for him. And I'm trying to remember because it's been like five years since I've read this book. So I'm trying to make sure I'm accurately representing it well. But he's also a kid who's pretty much brave from the start, if I remember correctly. And so his action adventure story is just bravery throughout it. And and the growth comes from something else. And so I'm not quite sure what the other stories are, but they're kind of different kinds of action adventures. So he's like, yeah, but, you know, my character is brave from the beginning. And then these are ones are all talking about kind of in that. So with with that a little bit more, does that change anything about what you would say then about how your book is adding to that conversation? I would say my character definitely starts out as the furthest thing from your mind from a hero. Mm-hmm. I know in the Five Kingdoms series, that kid tries to save his friends pretty much right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So he definitely has a certain level of bravery. And then in the the Beyonders series also, that kid comes into this other world and immediately tries to save people from going over a waterfall. So he had bravery from the very beginning. I would say that the thing that probably sets mine apart from those is that my protagonist isn't brave at all Mm -hmm. in the beginning. And that is what he has to develop through the course of the book. He has to find his bravery. Mm -hmm. And so would you say then that the character is almost at like the complete opposite end of not just like the negative, but maybe the negative of the negative where he's not just not brave, but he's like actively hurting other people due to not being brave? Or is that too far into the negative for you? I'd say he's hurting himself by not being brave, for sure. And he certainly isn't much help to the people around him because Mm -hmm. of all his fears and phobias. Mm -hmm. I think in the opening chapter, I have another character that is a a child that's kind of mentally disabled, and he's being bullied by the same awful kid. Mm -hmm. And if Jackson would speak up for himself, then he would also be able to help this other kid Mm -hmm. because the school would be able to do something about the bully. But Jackson isn't speaking up. Right. So he is kind of hurting that other kid by default, by not being able to speak up for himself. Right. It's it's the whole being silent is being complicit to the crime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And so the reason kind of why I walked you through that exercise because it's a weird exercise (laughs) is what I'm trying to get you to do is I'm trying to get you to figure out the 
innovative piece of your story in a sense, because action adventure is a very broad category, right? You have a ton of different books that fall into this and you have a ton of different books that kind of talk about similar themes maybe. So I'm trying to get you to do is figure out books that you feel like are comparative to you by figuring out the ideal, you know, your ideal reader's favorite books and their favorite of all of those. And then I'm trying, I was trying to get you to figure out out of all of those in the conversation they're having, where does your book innovate the conversation? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, so that's kind of the whole, like, if your book saying, yeah, these characters are brave, but my book shows you how to accomplish bravery. Your character's already brave to begin with, right? And, but my book is showing you, you know, how does one gain self-confidence enough to become brave? Right. So it, so that's like your innovative piece of what you're adding to this conversation in this this little bookshelf area. So that's kind of the point of of the exercise. That concludes this episode of the Talk Story to Me podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us next time as we demonstrate how to take your book idea and turn it into a book reality. If you have enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating and review. Until next time. Keep writing.